Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Creek Stewart will join us to discuss the disaster-ready home. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science show. Well, no one wants or expects disaster to happen, but if it does, are you prepared? Joining us today to discuss this issue is Mr. Creek Stewart. Mr. Stewart is a preparedness authority, Weather Channel host, best-selling author, and appears as the go-to disaster expert for sources such as Today, Fox and Friends, The Doctors, and Outdoor Life. He has penned the new book, The Disaster Ready Home, a step-by-step emergency preparedness manual for sheltering in place. And he joins us today to discuss this for a general audience. And Mr. Stewart, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Show. Hey, happy to be here and excited to talk about preparedness a little bit. So I appreciate the opportunity. Disasters, they seem to be coming more and more frequently these days and good to be prepared. I've been teaching survival and preparedness skills now for over 20 years, but I have to say that over the course of the past few years, preparedness is a subject that is top of mind to almost everyone, whether you've been into preparedness activities over the years or not. I think everyone has thought about, am I prepared at home if I had to fend for myself a little bit um, over the course of the past couple of years? And it really has been the past few years that has motivated me to compile so much of what I've learned over the course of the past 20 years into a book that's really easy to understand, implement, and afford. There are a lot of hurdles mentally and logistically to someone who's just getting started in preparedness. It can feel very, very overwhelming. And you can you can kind of develop this mentality of I have to, in order to be prepared, I have to grow all of my own food and I have to have solar electricity and I have to move to the mountains and homestead. And none of that is true. In fact, none of that is even remotely realistic for the average person or average household in America. And so tried my best to address all of these overwhelming issues in short, concise, achievable projects that can really move the needle in preparedness and give someone some real serious peace of mind and real solutions when it comes to being prepared for a huge variety of disasters, whether those are, whether those are severe storms, earthquakes, hurricanes, or being shut up for a while in pandemics. You know, it covers the whole gamut here. We, we talk about universal subjects like food and water and off-grid cooking and using the bathroom and just in general, things that everyone should be thinking about for disasters that really happen to real people. How do you suggest people attack the problem of preparedness? Most people get into preparedness because of food. Most people, that's the, that's the number one topic or question that kind of starts someone down the rabbit hole of whether you're preparing for a couple of weeks or a few months or even longer. So most questions start off with food. And so I, I like to address food first, um, how, to, how to package away 
uh, long-term food storage items and how to do that safely and how to do that in a way that makes sense financially and makes sense for your daily budget and your daily diet. Uh, but then soon after that, it's really important to talk about water, not only water filters, but water storage and how to get more water if your water supply runs out. Uh, and then we start talking about other other really important subjects like off-grid cooking and heating and using the bathroom. So I typically start with food and water and, and work my way from there. And that's, and that's the approach that I've taken in the book as well. So what about food? I mean, there's so many practical questions there. I mean, what kind of food, how much general rules of thumb do you think people should think about in terms of plan a long-term storage pantry? Okay, great question. So food is a huge topic and there can be just ab an absolute ton of questions around that topic. And I like to boil it down to really two things. And that is really the two categories of food that you want to be thinking about when it comes to building a long-term food storage pantry. The first category is long-term food storage, like freeze-dried goods or bulk dried grains that are really set it and forget it type of foods. You put those on a shelf and your plan is to never really open them until you absolutely had to. And they would last for 25 plus years. Okay. I cover that category in detail, what to buy and how to package those items um, on a budget in the book. The second category is food that you eat every day. And that's really what I like to focus on because it's the most practical solution to long-term food storage. And the way to approach that is to simply identify a list of 10 to 20 items that you eat on a regular basis, canned goods, dried pastas, dried cereals, things that you buy from the grocery store that have a shelf life of roughly one to three years. And most dry goods or most goods in the middle aisles of your grocery store are going to have a shelf life of one to three years. And that's where I suggest most people start with long-term food storage. You start with those 10 or 20 items. Every time you go to the grocery store, you buy an extra two or three of those items, and you put those on a shelf. And when you use that item in your kitchen, you grab it from the shelf instead of going to the grocery store. And over the course of a few weeks, you will begin to build a long-term food storage pantry of the exact items that you eat on a regular basis. There if you do it that way, it's called a system of rotation. And if you do it that way, you never run the risk of buying random foods that you're never going to eat and that you're probably going to throw away one day. A lot of people can just implement that right away and make it part of their shopping habit. Absolutely. And that's why I love the strategy so much, because it's not one that you have to begin a new lifestyle of being prepared. It's very simple. It's very practical. You do it with dollars and pennies instead of hundreds of dollars and thousands of dollars, and you do it one little step at a time. And if you keep doing it on every grocery store trip, within a few weeks, you'll have several weeks of long-term food storage of the exact food that you eat every single day. It's the best way and the easiest way to wrap your head around stocking up a few weeks worth of food. What about planning for several weeks, several months of disrupted supplies? Yeah, well, I think it's a really good idea. You can build you can build several months of food easily on a system of rotation, okay? But if you're looking at into the many months or you want food that you can just set it and forget it, then you want to start thinking about that first category of food that I talked about, and that's 
freeze-dried goods and bulk dry goods like beans and rice and dry pastas and dried grains, things that are going to have a really, really long shelf life. Freeze-dried goods like freeze-dried camping meals are the ideal long-term food storage survival food, but they're expensive. You pay for that convenience and you pay for that great taste and you pay for the idea that these things are going to last 30 years and they're going to taste great right out of the package and all you have to do is add water. They're expensive, they're really convenient, but they are a fantastic option. And there's a lot of great freeze-dried um, companies on the market today. Uh, one, of, one of the ones I use a lot is called ReadyWise, and they're based out of Utah. Maybe not one that's familiar to a lot of people. It's entitled Survival Sprouting. So what is sprouting? Yeah, so sprouting is a really unique part of this system that, um, that I teach in the book. And it really addresses what many refer to as the missing link in long-term food storage. So when you think about long-term food storage, you're thinking about freeze-dried goods, canned goods, bulk-dried goods. No one really thinks about fresh vegetables or fresh greens, but our body is going to crave those things if we're on a diet of long-term food storage products. And the solution to that is a very simple system of sprouting that you can take stored seeds, whether it's clover or broccoli or alfalfa, that have a shelf life of 30 plus years. And instead of eating those seeds in a grain or a bread or a cereal, you sprout those seeds on your kitchen counter in regular wide mouth ball jars, and you can produce a never ending supply of really nutritious fresh greens with absolutely no experience, no grain thumb, no sunlight, no dirt, no raised beds, no yard, no nothing except some glass ball jars, some sprouting lids, and some stored seeds. And so that actually takes up a big section of my book as I teach what I call the six-day sprouting system, where I teach exactly how, what you need to store, what seeds you need to store, what you need to buy in order to just turn key fresh greens on your kitchen counter if you absolutely had to. And many people who I've taught this system to, they're like, heck, I'm not going to wait till survival situations to sprout. I'm going to start doing this every day because this is incredible. The book is, again, filled with so many um, important topics. The next one, of course, being water can become very hard to obtain water in some of these situations, in particular clean and, and potable water. Uh, absolutely. Water is one of our most important survival priorities. And it might shock you or listeners to hear that the average American uses 86 gallons of water per day. 86 gallons. That's the average amount of water uh, used per person per day in America. And that is for eating and drinking and flushing the toilet, washing, showering, and all of those things. But 86 gallons a day is a lot of water. And if something were to happen where your tap runs dry, and you do not have backup water or a way to get more water, then you're in trouble really quickly, within one to two days, in serious trouble. And so water comes down to three categories. Number one is stored water, which is very difficult because water is heavy and it's bulky. It's hard to store a lot of water, more than a few weeks, really, for the average person. Most people really on a survival schedule need two gallons of water per day. And so... If you take two gallons of water for a family of four and a few weeks of storage, I mean, you're looking at a lot of water to have on hand. And so the real key to survival water is not necessarily storing water. 
although I teach exactly how to do that and in what containers and how to keep it safe and how long to store it, I am a much bigger proponent in having a renewable water source, developing your own renewable water source. And I think the, the most achievable way to do this is with a rain barrel. And so uh, I'll introduce you to a kit that I use called the Earth-Minded Diverter Kit, which connects to your downspout on your house and to a 55-gallon plastic drum that you can buy on Amazon or many other places. It takes about 30 minutes to hook this kit up. It's about 40 bucks. And if you do that, and if it rains in your area on a regular basis, you will have a never-ending supply of fresh drinking water that you should then run through a filter. So a filter is that third category. The first is water storage. The second is going to be um, a renewable water source. And then the third category is a reliable water filter so that you could take water that you found either in a creek, pond, or in your rain barrel, and you could filter, you could run that through your filter. And the one that I recommend is called a Big Berkey. There are very few places in the country that would not benefit from implementing a rain barrel. And those are really reserved for the absolute most arid, remote places in, in, in North America. Even, even a place that doesn't get much rain would benefit from having a rain barrel. Okay. So, but an alternative source could of course be any open water source, whether that's a stream, a Creek, a pond, any water source, um, a, a, a spring head. But I also teach a couple of methods for developing your own water source. Like one in particular is a, a, a what's called a well point where you hand drive your own shallow water well um, in, in an area that has underwater and in, in an area that has um, a water table that's fairly close to the ground. You know, a couple other options are manual pumps for a well, uh, because if electricity is out, obviously the electric pumps for a well aren't going to work. But just getting creative and finding or selecting one of the alternative water sources, renewable water sources that I discuss in the book. And, And there are options in there no matter where you live. Once you've got the food in the water handled, reheated, make sure that everything's still sanitary. Absolutely. So what happens when you eat a lot of food and drink a lot of water, right? You've got to start using the bathroom at some point. And earthquakes and other large-scale natural disasters are notorious for knocking out not only water supplies, but interrupting the regular flow of sewage. Uh, And it's really important to have a backup off-grid system in place to use the bathroom to not only store waste, human waste for a short period of time, but to be able to deal with that over time. It just in case you normal toilets or however you're currently using the bathroom, just in case those facilities would not be working. And so the easiest solution is about a $20 solution. It is a five gallon bucket with a snap on toilet lid that you can buy on Amazon. And you're going to go to your local hardware store and you're gonna ask them for their leftover sawdust. And with those supplies that are gonna cost you less than 25 bucks, you are going to build a composting toilet that can completely solve the problem of needing an off-grid bathroom. 
You're going to coat the bottom of that bucket with uh, about a one-inch layer of sawdust. You'll use the bathroom right on top of it, whether it's number one or number two, and then you'll just cover it up. And that is going to, you're going to do that time and time again until the bucket's about full. The sawdust eliminates all the smell and odor pretty much. When the bucket's full, you snap a lid on, you put it in the corner, you wait two or three months, and at that stage, it, is, it becomes humanure. It is human compost that you can take outside and put around your trees. I don't recommend putting it in your vegetable garden, but you can dispose of it because it is essentially biodegradable dirt. It's compost at that point. And it is a perfect solution for dealing with needing to use the bathroom off-grid in a pinch. Are there any disaster-specific issues that you find arising? It's always good to think about the specific disasters that are in your environment. It's always smart to think about that, okay? I will preface this comment with that. You know, you should be very aware of the disasters that are most likely to happen in your area, and you should take preparedness steps to deal specifically with those for sure. But the topics that I like to dig deep into are universal. They are things that you need to think about no matter what kind of disaster strikes. Now, in the disaster-ready home, the focus is really on sheltering in place. So what if a disaster strikes that forces me to stay at home for an uncertain period of time? And so that's really, those are really the skills that I cover in the book um, that, that deal specifically with sheltering in place versus evacuation. And so I cover the skills that are universal in that regard, and that's food, water, using the bathroom, cooking, heating your home, and a variety of other topics that relate to those, those areas. And these are what I call the big dominoes of preparedness. There are a ton of other preparedness topics to talk about and to teach about. You can't cover all of those, and it's a little overwhelming to do all of that in one, in one work. And so I've decided to focus on what I call the big preparedness dominoes. And if someone takes action on these core principles, on these core projects, then, then it is going to really move the needle and give them some serious peace of mind if something bad happens, no matter what that thing is. If you want to learn more about preparedness, preparedness tips, where would you suggest we go? You can hop onto my website. It's creekstewart.com. And there you can join my email list. And I will feed you regular survival and disaster preparedness tips on a huge variety of topics. Everything from wild edible plants to water filters and anything in between. We were just talking with Mr. Creek Stewart. The new book is entitled The Disaster Ready Home, a step-by-step emergency preparedness manual for sheltering in place. Mr. Stewart, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Hey, it's an honor, and I appreciate the opportunity. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.